0: Good evening. I do hope everyone's had a good week so far. It is a good to be able to start our summer series this evening, looking at from Acts chapter two, Acts chapter three verses twenty five and twenty six. As we have on the screen, you first God, having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you. I thought a good way to start is not only really by looking at that verse, but but by reminding us that we have to look to God and look to Christ you have the power to save the bible reminds us romans chapter 1 and verse 16 the bible tells us i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the jew first and also to the greek we are told here that it is the gospel that has the power to save is not resting within man who gives us the ability to have salvation but it rests within the gospel as is revealed to us by christ and revealed to us by god as we find here in verse 16 referenced as the gospel of christ as we begin tonight looking at this lesson we want to begin first by looking at really the context of verses 25 and 26 then we'll look at those two verses together as we uh, move along if you begin with me, we're going to back up to Acts chapter 3, really beginning there in verse 11, where I chose to begin. As you know, there is the miracle that takes place there in the the, uh, first uh, first half, you might say, of chapter 3. But as you look at Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, you have that Peter begins, as he begins his his message, sometimes referred to as the sermon there in Acts 3, he begins by talking about the source, really, of the miracle that is performed. If you look at Acts 3, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them into the courts that is called Solomons, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? For why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by your own power or holiness we have made this man to walk? It's interesting that Peter, who no doubt is an apostle of of Christ, the first thing he does here in this text is he gives glory to God. I'm not so sure today that men are always so apt to give glory to God. It's interesting, as we look at verse 12, he says, Ye men of Israel, why borrow ye at, at this? And why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk. He is clearly giving the power and the glory right where it belongs it is to God. Peter is showing that it's not him that has done this, this ability to, to for this miracle to take place. It has nothing, you might say, nothing to do with him. He's simply the messenger of, of God, the messenger of Christ, you might say. But he is not the one who has the power to do this. As he says there in verse 12, As though by our own power or holiness... We have made this man to walk. So Peter addresses those who were amazed by the miracle and continues by telling them about him who has the power to save. Because really this is where he begins launching into this this evening. Peter tells him to look to God and then tells them to next to look to his son. And like Peter, we should always give glory to God for the great blessings that we receive from him. We look as we continue here. We find next the position say, of the Jews in this context of Acts chapter 3. We find here, as we begin in Acts 3, continue on here, rather, in verses 13 and following. As you look at verses 13 through 15, we find that they were those who were guilty of the non-son of God. The Bible says, the God of Abraham, the God of Abraham and, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, this being a continuation, obviously, verses 11 and 12, Peter here is still speaking hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye, that is you, talked to the Jews, delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murder to be granted unto you, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, wherefore we are witnesses. It's interesting that Peter doesn't really take it easy on them, does he? He says ye, which means you there, he's very pointed about it. Notice there for again, just back up with me just a moment as you look at again verses thirteen through fifteen, where you find there he says, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the holy one and the just, and desired a murderer, we know who that is, right? To be granted unto you. And kill the prince of life. I would really like that phrase, that term referencing Christ, the prince of life. It's very fitting, isn't it? Because he is the prince of life. We think about it in a spiritual sense. He is the one who grants eternal life to those who have put their obedient faith in him, that authority being given to him by God. Who God hath raised up, who God hath raised the dead, whereof we are witnesses. I mean, we have witness these things. And so they have denied the Son of God. That's the position of these individuals as we find it here in verses 13 through 15. And Peter makes it very clear where they stand before God. As he points out there, you can sum it up by saying, <clears throat> as we back up here, he says, and denied him in the presence of Pilate. They denied him. We continue to read through that, we find they continue to deny Christ, right? They were one who made sure that Christ. Was put to the cross. To continue reading verses 16 through 18, we find the one whom they had denied is a source of hope in verses 16 through 18. And his name through faith and his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is, which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now, brethren, I watch that through ignorance he did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had shewed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he had so fulfilled. And so he points out here is that they have not put their faith in Christ. He says, in his name, through faith in his name, have made this man strong, whom you see and know. That is, the, the power that you find in the faith in Christ, he is one who no doubt gives us strength as we Stand up for the truth of God's word. No doubt, Peter found much strength in his faith that he has in Christ. He goes on to say there in, in verses sixteen and the following. And now, brother, I watch that through ignorance he did, meaning he knows they did these things through ignorance. But so we'll see here in a few moments that's not all. That's not where he's going to stop with that idea. But those things which God had, which God before had chewed by the mouth of all His prophets that Christ should suffer, He has so fulfilled. And so we finish that brief section there by showing that. Peter says that by the mouth of the prophets, we go back to Moses and others, as we'll mention here in a moment, all these things have been fulfilled, which include that Christ should suffer, and so those things have been fulfilled. The fulfillment of prophecy, the fulfillment of scripture, and yet these individuals did not still put their faith in Christ. We know as we think about this idea of their ignorance, doing these things in ignorance, yet it was not overlooked. As we're going to see here in a moment, they are called to repentance. We find in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, the first word there is what? To repent. It doesn't have that change of mind. It results in a change of action. They need now to repent. We so look at verses 19 through 21. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of the of refreshing shall come in the presence of the Lord, and He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. And so we find they were to change their mind, which is to repent, which would, which will result in a change of action that is being converted. Turning to God, and that was the action. And so they are to turn from what? From being those who really were, were following only after the Old Testament law. They were not following after Christ, and not that He was the Son of God. Therefore, they are to repent and be converted into what? Followers of Christ, which we can call today Christians, right? They are called Christians. The Bible tells us first at Antioch. But they were to change their mind, right? They were to change their mind, change the which resulted in a change of action, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. We find as we go through Acts chapter 3, numerous times the prophets are mentioned, right? And how the fulfillment of those things which they said have, has come about. We continue reading here in Acts chapter 3, looking at verses 22 and following, look at how Christ was sent to save, that Christ was sent to save, we find that what the prophets foretold in verses 22 and following, how Moses, whom they claimed to follow, and others foretold of Christ. We look at the Jews and others in the New Testament. They would reference many to people like Moses and Abraham, which well, if you go back and look at them, what were they pointing to? Well, they were pointing to the coming of Christ. Yet the Jews would not, many of them would not, no doubt, uh, follow after that idea. Instead, they would cling to the law of Moses and Moses himself, even though he, as we're going to talk about here in a moment, was was pointing towards the coming of Christ. We find looking at verses 22 through 25, looking first at verse 22, for Moses really said to the fathers, and he quotes here, this is a quote from Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15, I promise shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things, whatever he shall say unto you. A reference to Christ. Moses speaking those words. Him shall you hear is a reference to the idea of obedience. They are to be those who are going to obey Christ. But Lord, what were the Jews doing? They were not obeying Christ as we find it here in Acts chapter 3. That's why Peter's rebuking them and telling them to repent. We look at verse 23, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed among the people, every soul who shall not hear, right? Look at 2 John chapter, excuse me, 2 John verse 9, and I'll have it on here, but 2 John verse 9 says, anyone who does not, what? Obey Christ. Or, and, and put their faith in God or be in faith in God will not have heaven as their home. So let's just open our Bible since I didn't put it on the screen. But Second John verse 9 tells us, Whosoever transgresseth is, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ he hath both the Father and the Son. So notice there he says, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. Well what is referenced there in Acts three verse twenty three, which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Well who's he talking about? He's talking about Christ. He's still talking about Christ. And we find that same idea there in Second John in verse nine, that whoever does not abide in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. You might say that hath not known God. Because what does God want us to do? To put our obedient faith in Christ, to abide in the doctrine of Christ. Now let's look at verse 24 of Acts chapter 3. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. What days is he referencing? The time of Christ. The coming of Christ. He's saying all those prophets, he says, from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, And likewise foretold of these things. The prophets after Samuel spoke of the days of obedience to prophets, like Moses did, which is a reference to Christ. He's saying that it wasn't just Moses who spoke about Christ, but many others did as well. As he points out here from Samuel and those that follow after. If you look at verse 25, these prophets had had spoken to their fathers. you look at verse 25, ye are the children of the prophets, that is, they have heard the words of the prophets, right? You might say they grew up hearing the words of the prophets. You hear someone say that they grew up in the church? I'm not sure how you grow up in the church. We grow up in attending services of the church sometimes, right? We become members of the church. But here in verse 25, he's talking about, which I think we meet many times, and we said grew up in the church, we grew up attending it. Is that they grew up hearing the words of the prophets, right? Look at verse 25. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. So they grew up knowing these things. What is Peter doing in many ways? He's removing any excuse for saying they did not know. He's already talked about how they've done some things and did to but then he tells them how they still have after repent, doesn't he? And so he tells us here in verse 25, they grew up hearing these things, thus the reference to the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers. They, they knew all of these things, saying to Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindred of the earth be blessed. So these prophets had spoken to their fathers, and these words were passed down and should have caused them. To obey and to accept Christ as the Son of God, right? Children of the prophets in the case that were raised on these words. We know the promise of Abraham is found in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and repeated many other times as well. Let me get to verse 26. We find in verse 26, we're going to look at this kind of in pieces here. We find, as it says in verse 26, unto you first, God, unto you first, in to the Jews. When Christ was born, he was raised up as a Jew, right? So it's logical to follow that the Jews, do not say save anyways, are the first ones to hear the gospel, to hear the preaching and teaching of Christ, right? And to you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And so the Jews heard Christ first as he was one of them, if Jesus, however, was sent to bless all the earth, as we know from Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 tells us, right? To the Jew first and also to the Greek, right? The gospel is the power, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So if you back up again here in verse 26, when he says here, unto you first, being reference to the Jews, having raised up his son Jesus, then notice next, send him to bless you. That is showing a purpose. Isn't it? What was the purpose of Christ? To bless the world. That is a very big, uh, that's a very small word with a lot of big blessings underneath it, right? When you want to use the idea of an umbrella, you have the word blessing as the umbrella. What's all the blessings upon underneath that umbrella? A whole lot of stuff, to put it mildly, right? To put it gently. A whole lot of things. None as, in, as important as salvation. Being the first one of all, right? Send him to bless you. Christ would bless all so we find here, verse 26. He would turn from their sins and turning every one of you from his iniquities. How would he encourage people to turn from their iniquities? What did Christ do from about the age of 30 till his death? He taught. What's interesting is he also taught at the age of 12 in the temple, right? He taught. And he taught. And again, his minister, he taught all, all the time. Everywhere he went, he was teaching. And he was, as we might say, doing quote-unquote personal work with Christ. The crowds followed him, so it became very much crowd work, you might say. Preaching and teaching the gospel to all those who would listen, even those who would rather not. Because we find in verse 26, what was his purpose? To bless them, to bless everyone. How do you do that? By offering salvation now, let's get to some lessons for us this evening. We must be wise enough to follow where the scriptures lead. We think about that for a moment. Depending on the various interactions we've had, we've probably talked to some, maybe had some some interaction where we are talking to someone about the Bible, maybe we're just quoting some verses and just discussing them. But don't we, if we expect to be pleasing to God, have to follow wherever those scriptures lead us? Not following our heart because the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful, isn't it? The heart, in many ways, as Proverbs talks about, is really put forth this idea of following our emotions and tells us it's deceitful. How quickly do our emotions change? can change with the weather, can't they? You slam your thumb in the door and your emotions may say you're tired of hearing anything you don't want to hear anything else again about the Bible or whatever it may be because maybe you have someone behind you trying to talk to you You slam your thumb in the door and all of a sudden you're done your day is just ruined, right? So we can't go by emotion and allow those things to be our God. Bad days sometimes are just bad days and we should allow them to dictate how we're going to live our life before God. You must be wise enough to follow where the scriptures lead. Going back to Acts chapter three, verses twenty-five and twenty-six, he says, You are the children of the prophets. You know, the covenant which God made with our fathers. He's, he's encouraging them to go back and think about what they have been taught. Because if they would sincerely do so, it would lead them to the, to the summation that Christ is the Son of God. Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindred of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you. Who were they to go to during the limited commission? You remember that lost sheep of the house of Israel, right? But the Jews. And then we know later we read about the great commission where they are going to all the world. You think about no doubt. There's no one in the world today has any excuse for not obeying the gospel. And the Jews were least of all, weren't they? A commission that is directed directly at them, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They'll be like us today, saying, "Okay, tonight, we today we're going to go out. We're going to do door knocking. We're only going to those houses of those who, are, who were once members here but now have strayed." To put it in our modern day idea, right? We're not going to anyone else yet this week. This week we're going only to those who are not faithful as they should be. So that's what God was telling them, right? The lost sheep of the house of Israel will go and get them. And we find here in verses 25 and 26, that's what Peter is reminding them of. How they have heard these things from the time of being a child. And God has sent Christ to bless them to turn them away from Every one of them away from all their iniquities. Can you make anyone logically do anything they don't want to do? No. We think about our children, we tell them to do things and do things out of obedience. That's what we're talking about. Can you make someone obey the gospel? No. Sure, you make someone go and get dumped in a pool of water. I mean, you can't make them obey if they don't want to obey. If they don't want to, they'll just get wet. So you can't make them do anything. Peter was not trying to make them obey the gospel. He was trying to make them, he's trying to show them how they should want, rather, to obey the gospel. To remind them what they have been taught from all those days of old. Think about how Christ talked about how Moses and others would love to see the things they had seen and hear, the things they had heard, right? think about how John says, if all the acts of Christ were recorded, all the books of the world could not contain them. Which makes me think, there's so much things, so many things that Christ did, we don't read about. It. Not because it's actually keeping something from us. But how many times do we read about Christ feeding 5,000 people, 4,000 people realize it before we realize he can do those things, right? How many times do we read about, read about people, being, people being raised from the dead before we realize Christ and the apostles can raise him from the dead? And we don't believe it once. Why would we believe it if we read it three, four, five, six thousand times, right? So, all those things that Christ had done on the earth, there were so many of them, they couldn't even be recorded and be held in all the books of the world, right? And Peter here's reminding these individuals to think about just the things that they had seen themselves, right? These individuals had not listened to the scriptures. Or to Christ. You think about verse 25. You're the children of the prophets. He's telling them that you haven't been listening or considering what you've been taught. You can hear something a thousand times, but if you're not really, really wanting to learn from it. It's just noise, right? And that's what we find in verse 25. Because they were listening. Christ to them was the annoying, loud, white noise. They didn't want to hear it. We are, we, are, we are reminded numerous times throughout scriptures that there are conditions for blessings. You know, we read John chapter 3, verse 16, how the Bible tells us that God's above the world. I can't begin to try to imagine how much God loves the world. We have examples, we have demonstrations of it, but how can you put those things into words other than say that he gave his only begotten son, right? He so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish without have everlasting life. Should not perish. Because Christ on the cross is really no excuse for, for anyone not going to heaven, right? What more can he do? You know, I've heard people say, I'm sure Chuck and others have done some preaching, I've heard people say, well, you know, I wish Paul or Peter or the, the, the apostles, or even Christ, would spend more time on this topic. I've heard people say that about marriage, divorce, remarriage, or, or baptism. You know what I think about when people say that? The rich man and Lazarus. Do you remember what, what uh, the rich man wanted Lazarus to do? To go to his brothers, right? And he was told that if they will not hear, you know, they have the, they have the apostles, and they have all these men. they're not going to listen to them, they won't listen to Moses, they can listen to the raised the dead, right? So some people might say that it doesn't matter how much you do, it's not going to be enough. There's nothing more that Christ can do for us. He hasn't done it all. God has done it all as well. As we know, he, he, doing, he did those things, made those things possible for us through His Son. He sent Him to bless you, there in verse 26, the condition, and turn away every one of you from your iniquities. He wants you to do that so that what you can receive, Those blessings everything has conditions and there's one thing we were reminded of in life is that certain things have conditions there's been a lot of signing and reading various things because of moving everything has conditions doesn't whether you're buying your house or buying a car or buying a candy bar in the store there's conditions you can't walk out with it unless you pay for it that's the condition right you look at Acts 3, verse 26. You want to have those blessings that are available to you from Christ, available to you from God. You have to turn, he says, there from your iniquities, and turning away every one of you from from your from his iniquities, right? Turning each individual away from those things. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. We have blessed us blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Who is the us in verse 3? It's not the entire world. It's only Christians. Because that's who Paul's talking to. You back up in Ephesians 1, verse 1 and following. He is talking to who? Those at Ephesus. He's not talking to everybody. That condition of those spiritual blessings in Christ or in those heavenly places he's referencing is a reference to those, It's a given to those who are Christians. Bless us, Christians, with all spiritual blessings I and mean, in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ shows us where those blessings are. Therefore, if you're not in Christ, can you reach those blessings? The obvious answer has to be no. In Christ is the location of those blessings. You know, God's word is filled with conditions. You know, something being available like God's blessings or his forgiveness does not mean there's nothing required of us. In Hebrews chapter 5, looking at verse 9, the Bible tells us, and being made perfect, he became the author, author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. That's a small verse, a lot of meaning behind it. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them, meaning for those who have obeyed the gospel. He is, their author, he is their author of eternal salvation, but only theirs. Those who haven't obeyed, those who are not obeying him, he can't be their author of eternal salvation, because they're not doing what they need to be doing. He is the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. There, <clears throat> again, is the condition, verse 9. Conditions, conditions, conditions. You go back to Acts chapter 3, we find the requirements are again stated, aren't they? And turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Turn away. You might say turning. I didn't look up the Greek there in verse 26, but I think it's safe to say that we are to turn from sin and to keep turning away from it. I don't think that's a bad idea to say, is it? It's not a one-time turn; it's a continual turn. Because if we give in to sin, we have to make it right. We have to confess. We have to repent. We do those things. We can pray to God, right? It's that continual turning away from those things. There are always that temptation's always going to be there. So you have to continue to turn away from it, right? Turning away every one of you from His that is His own iniquities, right? You think about those blessings. Going back to Acts chapter 3, you think about the title there, Send Him to Bless You. You ever have someone come to your home and they bring you a gift? And they say something to the effect, I came over today because I wanted to give this to you. I wanted to let you know we care about you. I'll say a gift. Sometimes, many times in the church, is a casserole, right? In case you're wondering, those are always welcome. But that is a gift, isn't it? Their purpose, they say, many times, we have to say to I came over, I want to give this to you, I want to check on you, they what? They wanted to bless you by that gift and by their presence and by their concern for you. But isn't there a conditioning on your part? You have to accept it, don't you? You have to accept it. They can offer it up. They can lay it out. They can hold out that dish until you accept it. You don't receive that blessing, do you? If you have some today, you quite literally are doing those things, turning us away. Friends, I can't mistake. They're the ones who are losing out. We do too, because we want to bless them, but they're the ones losing the most. And spiritually speaking, if we do not, if we are not those who are accepting the blessings of Christ by obeying the gospel, be phrased. You cannot receive the blessings of Christ until we obey the gospel. So it's like Christ coming and saying, I've done these things for you. Until you obey the gospel, you're staying there saying, I don't want it. Not yet. I'm not ready for it yet. Can you imagine doing that? Maybe you are doing that. Maybe we're a Christian, maybe we have a way to gospel, but our life is one that says, I'm not accepting any gifts from Christ sake, because I'm not ready to turn back and start doing those things I should be doing, and so I'm not accepting anything today. It's like having it walking up to a door of someone last week when we were passing things out. It says, you know, some say no, no visitors, no soliciting, whatever it may be. What it means and, and just is, go away is what it means, right? Do we send that today to Christ by our failure to act, by our failure to obey? Go away. I don't want your blessing. I don't need that. If you go back to Acts 3, verse 26. That's what Peter trying to tell them to do. Turn up your iniquities, repent, be ye converted, and do what? Receive the blessings that Christ was sent to give you, right? Acts 3, verse 26. But we have to ask ourselves are we doing. What those individuals there in Acts 3 were not doing. Are we doing something different? Are we listening to God's Word? Are we willing to obey what we read, what we hear from God's Word? You know, today, if a man is, is to have heaven as his home, and I say man, I mean mankind, if we are to have heaven as our home, obedience is required. There's a condition, isn't it? Make no mistake, those in Acts 3, Peter revealed their condition. He revealed the conditions they needed to meet. He revealed their current current position before God, and that position was: they needed to repent and be converted. But until they did those things, the blessings of God they can only read about. They can only hear others talk about. They couldn't enjoy them. Ephesians one verse three, right, tells us that, right? They're only in Christ. So, unless you, until you are converted, you're, until you are added to the body of Christ, places 3, 26, and 27, you can only read about the blessings of God, right? You can only read about God answering our prayers, answering the prayers of the faithful, responding, forgiving of sins, blessing us with all those spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We only read about that until we are converted. In Acts 3, verse 26, they were encouraged, and we are encouraged today to receive the blessings of God by conversion and then we can receive the true blessings of God, right? The first blessing I think you can say without a doubt is that we have the ability to obey. Now, I think there are a lot of ideas going around the world today they kind of just circulate. Sometimes they come back and they're new names they just circulate the ideas of men but you know, the Word of God, regardless of what translation you may have in your hand, it doesn't change. You go back and look in the Old Testament, look at the Hebrew, and, and, those, and those languages, it still says the same thing we it said all those years ago. You can find those things easily enough. The New Testament, the Greek, still says the same thing. Repent and be converted. It hasn't changed. What has changed over time is just men, right? Mankind. Either our desire to obey or desire to not obey. You know, in Acts 3, Peter, you could say it was very direct in many ways. Modestly direct. Because they needed to be converted. They needed to be obedient. Because until they did so, those blessings that Christ was said to give could not be enjoyed. Make no mistake, until we obey the gospel, those blessings which Christ was sent to impart to us, they're beyond our reach. So let's make sure that we do all we can. We do all we're supposed to be doing. It is obeying the gospel. And as we obey the gospel, we continue to obey the gospel every day, by obeying God's commands and repenting when we fail to do so. And when we do that, we have those blessings of God. Those spiritual blessings are only in Christ. And make no mistake, Christ blesses like no one else, doesn't he? Christ is the one who is always our mediator. God is the one who's always listening and answering to our prayers. His word does not change. The Bible tells us through are lamentations. His, his, you know, his mercies are new. Every morning, great is his what? His faithfulness, right? God is always present in the world. We know we can't always say that. But God is always there. He doesn't care if the sun is out or if it's stormy and cloudy. God is always there. So let's make sure we do what we need to do so we have those blessings from God. This evening, as you think about these things, we can help you in a way. we glad to assist you. That's going to be singing sing the song that's been selected.